Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of arrowheadpride.com. And I'm joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, how was your Thanksgiving? It was good. Uh, And it turned out we did have quite a lot to be thankful for as the way the weekend went. So it's all good. Yes, I like to hear that. My Thanksgiving was good as well. Had some turkey, had a nice nap. We didn't get a night game on Thanksgiving, and that game as of today, December 1, has not been played yet. No Ravens and Steelers yet, but that's par for the course of 2020. On this podcast, we'll give you the latest updates on the Chiefs news. Spoiler alert, there is not a lot going on right now, but we got a few updates for you. We'll go through our takeaways from this past game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's been a few days. We've had a few days to marinate on the game. We'll present our marinated takeaways. We'll take a quick break. John will have some updates on the percentages of the playoff picture. We'll list off our Broncos and Chiefs questions. And then, of course, the best Chiefs thing I heard all week. John, I know you can't wait for that. That's your favorite moment of the week, really, right? Yes, it is. There we go. All right. Well, why don't we get to some news? First of all, I want to talk a little bit about Patrick Mahomes and what is happening think in the next week or so. This is something I plan to hopefully ask him tomorrow in the Chiefs media availability, but there is a My Cause, My Cleats program. This has been going on a few years in the NFL where Chiefs can decorate their cleats as they want for certain charities. Mahomes plans to, of course, donate everything that is made from his cleats to the 15 and the Mahomes Foundation, which helps underserved children. The NFL is is having a greater emphasis on this year where they'll be doing video packages and interviews. So it is a record number of NFL players that will be raising awareness through My Cause, My Cleats. So always good to see, John, some efforts happening off the field to help some charities. Yeah, and you know, I, I appreciate that the NFL has, for a number of years now, given the players the freedom to do this. You know, it wasn't that long ago, I'm old enough to remember, as the saying goes, when uh, they were fining people like for uh, putting wearing a headband that had a logo on it. It's 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 so much better now that the league at least gives the team an opportunity to, and the players an opportunity to uh, to do something like this, especially as it raises money for worthwhile charities. Now you still have to have your socks pulled up and your jersey tucked in, but uh, but at least you can show some individuality. 
That's part of Sean Barber, who used to work for Arrowhead Pride, now works for Chiefs.com again. He is also the uniform inspector somehow of the Chiefs, or was. And there are folks who will jot down little notes. There are uniform guidelines to follow in the NFL because they want you looking, I think, a certain way. Not so much that it's an individual sloppiness or anything. I think they want everyone to be dressed the same so it looks a little bit sharper on the television. Yeah, you know, uh, one of my old friends from the press box was the guy who was in charge of that for several years. He was an ex-Chiefs player that the league hired to sit in the press box and make notes about player uh, infractions. And he'd go down to the locker room at halftime and tell guys, yeah, you need to turn your tuck your shirt in, pull up your socks or, you know, whatever the thing is. Certainly a thankless job, no doubt about it. Let's keep the topic on Mahomes footwear. John, there is a sneaker coming. They call it the Patrick Mahomes Adidas Ultra Boost. It is a sneaker shoe type of thing. It looks like it's almost like a corduroy on your feet released on, let's see, December 9th. Will you be getting the Patrick Mahomes Adidas Ultra Boost release. Well, if they if they look like corduroy, yeah, that's just that's my jam right it, there. I feel like it might be a fit, <laughs> and and we could call you Cinderella Dixon when you when you put I, it. I, on. I normally just buy the black sneakers. That's that's what I really like. Is just give me some black sneakers, you know, all purpose sneakers, and I'll I'll wear those. But. You know, if they really like look like corduroy, yeah, you know, I might have to do that. These are, are not that. These got some swag to them. Why don't you turn over a new leaf in 2021? We stayed all cooped up in 2020. <laughs> you know, you want to say you're a, a science grandpa. Now let's make you the swaggy uh, grandpa, John. How about that? <laughs> the groovy swaggy grandpa. <laughs> all right. Well, enough of that. Let's get into uh, some of our takeaways from this Chiefs and Bucks game. And I'll start us off, John. I I think we've been waiting for Sammy Watkins to make his triumphant return to this lineup for some time now. He was able to finally do that on Sunday for the first game since week five, uh, the first game against the Las Vegas Raiders. And it brought me to something that I asked Andy Reid a couple weeks back in November regarding Travis Kelsey and all this production that he was having. I I was wondering what, in your opinion, has led to this slight uptick in what Travis Kelsey has been able to do through the air this year. And here's what Andy Reid said. Yeah, I I don't know that. Um, It it is slight, but he's done a, listen, he's done a nice job. He works hard. He's got a great relationship with the quarterback. Sammy's been out for a few weeks. So, you know, both he and Ten have had more production. and, And so... Um, you know, we like spreading around to everybody and give everybody an opportunity, but um, I, that could have probably worked with the increased part of it. And of course, he's the head coach of the Chiefs. No one knows his team better than Andy Reid, but I would hypothesize that maybe Sammy's presence is going to lead to even more production for these guys because already you're seeing what Tyree Kill was able to do with 13 receptions for 269 yards. Travis Kelsey, he didn't get over 100, but he was right there at 82. After the game, they were 1-2 and two in the league in receiving yards. Since then, on Monday night, DK Metcalf is now number one, but still 2-3. and three. Just as impressive. And I tend to think that Sammy's going to help with that. You can't double everybody. And you certainly can't double Sammy Watkins. You certainly can't double a Travis Kelsey. And that you saw already left Tyreek Hill one-on-one in that explosion of yardage. 
Right. Well, this is exactly the pattern that we've seen in the past, that when Watkins is on the field, the whole offense is better. And it's not just a question of Watkins production. What was it? He had like four catches for 38 yards or something right. like that on, on Sunday. That's not something that's going to get any, that's not going to move the needle with the offense, not with the chiefs offense. Right. But what it does is it gives the defense really hard choices to make. And the chiefs have enough talented receivers that one of those is going to be wrong. That's just the, that's just the way the math works on that. Let's go to your first takeaway from this game. Now that we've had a, a few days to think about it, what do you think this means for the rest of the season for the Chiefs? I think it means the Chiefs have a really good chance to run the table. Um, you know, we had been looking at this Tampa Bay game as one of the signposts of uh, how the Chiefs are doing. You referred to that in your rapid react- reaction article on Sunday night, and I think you're exactly right that all season we've been looking at this game against Tampa Bay to tell us where the Chiefs are. Right. And uh, by coming up with a victory, albeit a small one, which any of us would have expected from the beginning of the season, nobody thought we were going to go in there and whomp on Tampa Bay. Uh, But the victory means that the Chiefs have a good chance to win the rest of their games this season. I honestly think uh, that the Tampa Bay game might have been more difficult than the New Orleans game is going to turn out to be. Well, we'll see. Uh, Drew Brees right now is injured, and so they've been going with Taysom Hill. He can return for that game, but we don't know how that's going to go. Teams, especially teams that have established head coaches, will not always reveal a lot of information. For example, if this was Patrick Mahomes that was on IR for three weeks, we would be receiving no real updates, at least directly from the team. I don't think we're going to know the status of Drew Brees until that week. And who's to say, even if he is able to return, so let's say he hits the field, is he going to be the quarterback that we know and love in New Orleans, Drew, that style of Drew Brees? So I think you make a good point. You have other games with the Denver Broncos, to me, that's a win. I don't want to jinx anything there for the Chiefs, sure. but they're a 14-point favorite in that game. Miami's defense is interesting, but they just don't have the offensive firepower to keep up with the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Atlanta could be interesting by the end of the year because they are playing a little bit better, and the Chiefs don't see them till the end of this month, December 27th. And then the L.A. Chargers, I I don't know. Sometimes they're stingy in that last game, but I just tend to think right now the Chiefs still have the Chargers numbers. So you might might be right, and we we could be looking at a 15-1 record all the while watching to see what the Pittsburgh Steelers do because they have still not lost a football game. They are 10-0. Uh, the last time we recorded the podcast, we thought we were getting that on Thanksgiving. So they're still 10-0 from last podcast. So we'll see if they lose to the Baltimore Ravens. That game is at 2.40 p.m. Arrowhead time on Wednesday. So the <laughs> Chiefs fans want to watch that game. You better get sick at lunch tomorrow <laughs> if you're picking up uh, what I'm putting down there. All right. Third takeaway from this game, I think that we saw, I thought I saw the defense take some strides against Tom Brady. And this will lead me into another point I'm going to talk about at the end here. But I really liked what I saw from Tyron Matthew. I thought Matthew played better. He had those two key plays where he was able to get an interception and force an interception. So I I really liked that. I liked what I saw from Anthony Hitchens. That's the first time in a long time that I sat back in my chair and I said, oh, Anthony Hitchens really announced his presence to this game. Chris Jones was certainly good. 
of course, Frank Clark still is leaving a little bit to be desired. But from what we saw the previous week where I was questioning, is this going to be a repeat of 2018? This was the first step toward the Chiefs saying, no, this is us figuring this out as the season goes along. Like, was it perfect? No. Chiefs defense still allowed 24 points. But you could make a case that this game was very easily capable of getting out of hand if the offense didn't leave points on the field. So I I like what I saw from the Chiefs defense, especially against Tom Brady and all that firepower. Right. And I think you make a good point about Hitchens too. You know, he actually, uh, in essence, saved the game on the very first uh, scoring drive for the Buccaneers. It was Hitchens who uh, held up that third down play, I think it was, that uh, eventually forced the field goal. And, uh, you know, without the, with those additional four points, it would have been an entirely different ball game uh, in the second half. So, you know, you can really uh, make a good point about Hitchens. And it, it wasn't the only play where he, he stood up, but that one in particular caught my eye during the game. So I agree with you. Let's continue moving forward with your next takeaway, John. Yeah, maybe uh, Harrison Bucker is all right after all. I mean, uh, what was it? Three touchdowns and two field goals, and uh, all the extra points were good uh, in Raymond James Stadium outdoors. Wasn't a terribly windy day. There weren't a lot of things going against him, and he did just fine. Uh, This is going to happen to uh, place kickers sometimes. They're going to get the yips, and uh, there's something wrong, and they can't put their finger on it, and obviously – there wasn't a real problem. We would have seen it turning up in field goals as well. So he seems to be back to normal, and I'm glad to see it. Yeah, and I don't think you want to be the next team that is one of these teams in the NFL that is constantly waving and signing kickers oh, yeah. and trying to yeah. figure it out. And I'm happy to see that, knock on wood again, this is the second time we're knocking on wood in this podcast, that Butker has... Uh, gotten past what were some extra point woes and and maybe a little bit of yips for a few weeks. Last thing I think on this game, and now I want to be clear here, and I'm not talking about every single Chiefs fan because I, I know that there were Chiefs fans that were satisfied with this win and understand how hard it is to beat teams like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFL. But I think there are, or there is, I should say, a contingent of fans of the Kansas City Chiefs that have, in a sense, lost just how hard it is to win in the NFL, win as often as the Chiefs do in the NFL, make the playoffs and win the division as often as the Chiefs do in the NFL. I look at teams across the league, like the Jets are winless. You have a Bills team. You don't know who they are. Same thing with the LA Rams. The Ravens and your opponent in the Super Bowl and the 49ers have pretty much fallen off from what would be that Super Bowl contending type of team. Mm -hmm. You have this game where Patrick Mahomes has more than 400 yards. Your receiver has the best game for any receiver all season with 269 against Coming in, what was a great defense? What was looked at as one of the better defenses in the NFL? Now, the Buccaneers offense wasn't great, but they were good enough. They have Tom Brady. They have Ronald Jones. They have Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski. Tom Brady and his struggles against the Chiefs defense right now are a national 
story. Yet you have mm-hmm. Chiefs fans that are in our mentions and in our comments saying, well, this team, they need to get better. They're undisciplined. What's going on with the protection? Now, were the Chiefs perfect? No, but I, I would say this game was like a 7 out of 10, an 8 out of 10, and you're looking right now at a 10-1 and one team. Like, I wanted to see the protection for Patrick Mahomes better, too. He can't be getting hit seven times, but to after having this game to be reacting and really looking at what's wrong. Yes, there are some things to fix. There are things to fix after each and every week. How often is it that the Chiefs will play a perfect game? I I, I don't think that that is going to happen every week. And so I'm saying rather than having this experience where you're the Super Bowl champions and you're you're having a 10 and 1 and it is normal for Patrick Mahomes to go 37 of 49 for 462 and three touchdowns. I just think there's a contingent of the fan base who needs to just sit back and try to remember what it was like before Andy Reid. I'm saying even before the Alex Smith days, how hard it was to make the playoffs. And here you have this consistent winner Try to enjoy it a little bit. Why are you looking for the things to be upset about? And rant. I don't mean to go rant Swanson on everybody here, but it's just (laughs) you can let go of the idea maybe that you wanted Andy Reid to go for it on fourth and one. Okay, they won the football game. You know, I that's where I'm at. Yeah, well, in defense of Chiefs fans, and we had a conversation about this yesterday, and and, and I'll repeat what I said yesterday. We don't really have a good frame of reference for this. For 50 years, the Chiefs were on the outside looking in. We don't know what it feels like to have a world champion team trying to repeat with another Super Bowl win. We don't know what it feels like to have this kind of a dominant team. The team is 10-1. and It's been 10-1 and twice uh, before this year. Uh, Once in 2003 and once in 1995. And in fairness, what happened in those seasons? The Chiefs won the first round by and lost in the first playoff game. So you kind of understand how Chiefs fans get to this point, that they that they feel like the sky is falling, and if the defense isn't perfect, we're not going to win our ball games. But we've never had Patrick Mahomes before, and that's where this all comes down to. I've been there, and, and granted, I started covering the Chiefs in the Alex Smith era, so they were mostly making the playoffs. But I understood the disappointment because yeah. even in that stretch, okay, it was still disappointing. The Chiefs couldn't really get past what was the divisional round. Sure. Finally, they make it to an AFC title game. They lose that. All right. I understand maybe after that season even, okay, after each game, you're a little bit worried that you're going to lose in the playoffs or something. I thought that that would be gone once you won a Super Bowl. I really thought that maybe like the other shoe dropping that fear constantly might be something that that propelled the fans to say, okay, we know Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are going to win it. You were down to 24 points to the Houston Texans (laughs) and you won by 20 points. Relax. Everyone relax. I think the team is... Memory is a strong thing. It's hard to overcome. I'm telling you. It really is. I don't mean to be preaching from my high horse as I'm on my high horse, but I'm just saying from my heart of hearts, try to enjoy it. If you're one of these fans who's always just looking for the other shoe to drop... I think this is a, a a period where you can enjoy. You're not going to win the Super Bowl every year. I I, I think you know, and and that's something to remember too. But maybe you you might win it five to eight times out of the next ten. So try to enjoy it more than you get upset. 
That, that's all I'm saying. Anyway, if you if you care to still listen to this podcast after the break, <laughs> we'll talk about the playoff picture and percentages, and we'll also get into our five questions heading into Broncos Chiefs Week. Stay with us on the Arrowhead Pride Editors Show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editors Show, Pete Sweeney hanging out with John Dixon. John does a fantastic job at our arrowheadpride.com site. By the way, before we get into the article, he's going to talk about right now, we have a great Patrick Mahomes breakdown of what he did well against the Bucks. Matt Lane just posted an ode, really, to Tyree Kill and why he's the best wide receiver in the NFL. We have national power rankings. We have our own AP NFL power rankings, which we have mentioned before. Tom Childs, by the way, who also does our Arrow headlines, he was born to write comments <laughs> for NFL power rankings. John, you said that before, and I'm, I'm afraid that one day he is going to get plucked by somebody to write these one-liners for someone else. We're keeping him. We're going to match whatever you offer. So anyone who's out there that's trying to steal Tom, it's not going to happen. We're going to yeah. match. But anyway, John, you have a playoff percentage, a playoff picture that you do now every Tuesday for the foreseeable future as we get closer and closer to the NFL playoffs. What should fans know about the percentages today? Two. The number is two. That is the magic number that uh, we're all familiar with from baseball. Uh, you don't see it as much in football, but we, we have a magic number for the Chiefs. It's two. And that is in order to make the playoffs and win the AFC West, all it's going to take is for there to be at least a combination of Chiefs wins and Raiders losses that total two. That could happen as early as this weekend. If the Chiefs beat the Broncos and the Jets beat the Raiders, um, which, yeah, okay, that might not happen, but it could happen this weekend that we'll get to that magic number. The Chiefs will have the AFC West and with it a playoff berth guaranteed. Yeah, well, what, is the percentage right now on the playoff buy? Because I, I think we know that the Chiefs will make the playoffs. Sure. We're, we're good to go. Fans are wondering, okay, we know the Steelers have to lose. That's basic. But what's the percentage on something like that happening? Uh, yeah, they uh, they have about a 44% chance to win the buy. Okay. Uh, and a 19% chance to win the Super Bowl at this point, assuming that the the that all the games that are left to play play out on some kind of an average level. Uh, the Chiefs could get the bye. Uh, they need a little bit of help to do that. They would have to win four or five of their games. If they win all five of the final games, which I've just recently said was a pretty good chance after we saw what they did against the Buccaneers, uh, then we'll have to have a little help. And that comes from the Steelers. The Steelers are going to have to lose at least one of the games against the Raiders or the Bills. Or if the Chiefs drop one of their last games, probably one of those two games and an additional game in order for the Chiefs to have a shot at grabbing that bye week from them. So, you know, we're going to have the uh, a playoff berth and the division wrapped up in the next two or three weeks, I think, because if the Chiefs win these next two games against the Broncos and the Dolphins, that'll wrap up the AFC West in the playoff spot. But this thing about the first round bye could end up going to the end of the season. Uh, the Week 17 game against the Chargers could be meaningful. It might not be meaningful. By then, maybe the Steelers have won enough games the Chiefs have no shot at a first round buy. So we could see the Chiefs resting starters against the Chargers 
in week 17, or it could be the game that puts them into the top spot of the playoffs. Could be interesting. You know what I find fascinating about this is that even the numbers realize the Chiefs are by far the best team in the NFL. I know there's a lot of Steelers fans that are upset right now because they're not getting respect, but to have a less than 50% chance of getting the AFC by, but also being the front runner for the percentage on the Super Bowl just goes to show that the numbers are really in favor of the Chiefs as the top power-ranked team, so to speak. Yeah, and it doesn't even matter uh, about the rating systems. I mean, if you go to 538.com and use their ELO rankings, they give very similar numbers. Uh, the These rankings, these percentages I'm giving are coming from the New York Times playoff calculator, which uses a different system to rank the teams. Right. But uh, system aside, you get sort of the same kind of numbers uh, from most of the ranking systems that are out there. So I don't know why a Steelers fan would be listening to this right now, but don't get mad at us. Get mad at the numbers. You know, go out there and destroy some computers. It's yeah. not, it's not yeah. worth getting mad at the people. All right. Yeah. So those are your playoff percentages. The magic number is two. It's going to be another AFC West title for Andy Reid, as I alluded to last segment. Very, very, very impressive. Let's get into some questions heading into Broncos and Chiefs week. And my first question is this. Will this be another one of those Patrick Mahomes games? And this is something else that I posted at arrowheadpride.com today was the fact that Patrick Mahomes, as it stands now, has had four games in his career with 400 passing yards, three touchdown passes or more, and no interceptions. Four in 42 games. The only other players with four or more have 192 games or more. Ben Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Andrew Brees. I got punched and poked in the comments for not alerting folks that this is a different game nowadays. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. No kidding. Of course, you have to factor that in. Of course, Patrick Mahomes is playing in a time where offense is extremely favored. The rules are way different than when Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and the rest started their careers, but still very, very impressive and certainly one of the many records he should break by the end of his career. And I just wonder if he's going to have back-to-back -back games doing that. I just think the Chiefs are playing uh, in a different level, in a different universe now that Sammy Watkins is back in the mix. Yeah, I think the Broncos have some good defensive pieces, but this is a team that is rolling. I could see him getting 400 yards and three touchdowns in back-to-back -back weeks, John. What do you think about that? I think that's distinctly possible. And I'd just like to push back a little bit. It's not like these other quarterbacks that you're talking about are Johnny Unitas and Norm Van Brocklin. Okay, all of these guys are modern-era quarterbacks. The game hasn't changed that much. Oh, I was about to say, you're pushing back years. on me or the comments? No, no, no. You're, no, you're no, going no, in no. on the comments, too. No, the I'm, or as I'm, I like to call it, the shark tank. Yeah, I mean, I get what they're saying. Yes, the game changes over a period of time, but you're still talking in that list that you posted today about essentially modern-era quarterbacks. Who guys who've all you know been playing or retired in the last couple of years? Yeah, that's a twenty-year span. The game changes over the course of the twenty years. Sure, it does, but we're not comparing Patrick Mahomes to a guy who played in nineteen sixty-two. You know, and the game is is almost unimaginably different now than it was in those years. 
the changes in the last 10 or 15 years, yeah, not, not really that much. Um, sure, you have to account for that, but uh, I don't think it's that crazy to make that comparison. Just That's just my opinion. Well, that's the thing too. I'm only posting it to the site because I find it interesting. Sure. <laughs> I, get, I get some of the backlash in the comments. Like, I didn't write the stat. I just, <laughs> I, I'm posting it for your pleasure. Anyway, continuing on with Chiefs and Broncos, John, what is your first question that you're wondering? Well, a kind of a similar question that you're asking, how many Chiefs can, how many points can the Chiefs score in a game? You know, I think the NFL record is 73 points in a game. Um if the Chiefs get some turnovers, can cut some lots of three and outs from the Denver uh, offense, uh, they might have an opportunity to score a whole lot of points in this game. Um, I mean, I, I really don't think that will happen. I'm, I'm mostly having some fun here because it's a division game, and I never like to discount an opponent in a division game anyway. Uh, after I get my senses, I'll put up one of my patented four-point predictions for a Chiefs victory. <laughs> right. But, uh, but, you know, on paper, this looks like a game where the Chiefs are just going to go crazy. Well, the good thing for the Broncos is they're actually starting a quarterback this week. Drew Locke yeah. should be back. Mm -hmm. Kendall Hinton was the practice squad wide receiver that had to start. I didn't think that that was that fair by the NFL. I have to say, I mean, it's easy to laugh at, at the Denver Broncos, but the balance of punishments between different teams and postponements has just been so off the wall this year. And to have a game that was supposed to be played in a huge slot for the league on Thanksgiving for one reason or another, and to not have played that yet, but to make a team play with the wide receiver, I don't know if it was just making an example out of the Broncos. Granted, I think everybody loves to see the Chiefs beat the Broncos. Everybody loves to see the Broncos fail. <laughs> This was unfair by the NFL. You have to be honest here. Well, I don't know. I've thought about this a lot, Pete. I, I, I think a lot of this stuff that looks unfair to us is because we don't have all the information. Right. You know, at the beginning of the season, I figured that what was going to happen was that if you didn't have enough players available to play, then that was just your bad luck. Bad on you for not taking care of things within your organization. And yet, uh, early in the season, we would see, you know, a player tested positive, and then all of a sudden they're changing the schedule. Well, back at the beginning of the season, they could afford to change the schedule. They can't afford to change the schedule now without dramatically impact, impacting how the season's going to play out. And what we can't see and what we're not being told and we're not going to be told is exactly how these things all relate to each other. Um, and I hadn't even thought about this at the beginning of the season, but the presence of a, of a positive COVID test doesn't necessarily cover everybody else who could be contagious. And the most important thing that the NFL has to do is to make every effort to make sure that guys who are not contagious are on the field. In other words, the worst thing that can happen is you put a player out there where they can't wear masks, where they're in close contact with other guys who are breathing hard, who could be transmitting the disease. And that's why sometimes I think we're seeing these things happen that don't seem to make any sense. Is when they evaluate it and knowing what they know and we don't, they have to come to those decisions. But that's just my theory. From the I mean, I, I feel that no doubt the quarterback room was probably egregious in Denver. Yeah. And, yeah. and they knew that. And they said, you're going to play anyway. 
But this was also a league that at the beginning, unfortunately, in my opinion, set the precedent that the Tennessee Titans can go out and have this practice and have this outbreak. And they postponed their game and the Titans really haven't missed anything or had to play with a practice squad wide receiver. But John, I will say this. Drew Locke's mom went online last night and she sorted everything out. So we don't even have to worry about it. Drew Locke will be visiting Kansas City. As he has said, he loves to play Darth Vader. So he should be back and trying to overcome this 14 point spread on Sunday. Next question for this game. Darth Vader, Darth Vader does wear a mask after all. Yes. Uh, yes. Princess Laura. Princess Laura Locke. Um, <laughs> will we see a shakeup of the offensive line? As I mentioned before, Patrick Mahomes was pressured. He was hit in this game against Tampa Bay. Again, one of the better defenses in the league. Not typical for Andy Reid to shake up the offensive line unless he sees a need, but you have Stefan Wisniewski waiting in the wings. I know that our crew, our Arrowhead Pride Laboratory, our nerd squad does not love the year of Andrew Wiley. I've liked what I've seen from Nick Allegretti. I also like what I saw from Daniel Kilgore. So I wonder if there are changes made. This is 2020. We don't really get to see the practice field. So we'll know if there are changes made maybe in warmups on Sunday. I also wonder if Le'Veon Bell begins to play a little bit more. We've seen uh, Clyde Edwards-Elair still dominate the snaps to, to some extent. I wonder if Bell is in there and maybe even Daryl Williams, uh, as we saw in the snap counts, John, which you do another great job with. Um, just to protect Patrick Mahomes, we know that Le'Veon Bell is one of the best pass-protecting running backs in the NFL. Darrell Williams is certainly better right now than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Not, not, a, not a big deal. Clyde is a rookie, but he needs to improve there. So I just wonder if we see, A, a shakeup along the OL and perhaps some more time for Bell and Williams. Yeah, I think those are things are all possible. Um, I, I agree with you, though, that uh, Andy really likes to have the offensive offensive line stick together. He really values continuity, but he's also not afraid to play with it. Right. You know, we've seen this in other seasons. If things get really bad, um, I think we'll see him make a change. I think my point here, John, is now is the time. I don't think Andy's going to want to do it with three weeks to go. But yeah. given this is the Broncos, he'll never admit this at the podium, right? The Chiefs don't make bulletin board material. But given this is the Broncos, you should have the game in hand. If you're about to make a change and you feel like you could have a better combination, rather get it with a few weeks to go so they can get some reps together ahead of the postseason. Sure. Yeah, and that would be the best of both worlds. Uh, and I, I think you're making an excellent point there that it's better to do it now than three weeks from now and still having guys figure each other out uh, in the postseason. The advantage here is that they largely already know each other. Right. Uh, you know, we have the advantage that Allegretti played on this line last year. And, of course, uh, Wiley and, and, uh, and Ryder are around at that time. Kilgore wasn't. But that might be a change they decide to make anyway, because I agree with you. I thought Kilgore looked pretty good when he was out there. Um, but, you know, I'll just say this. There's no doubt. I mean, I came out and said this in my post-game piece this week. Um, they need to make some kind of change on the offensive line. They need some help there. They don't have a lot of options at this point in the season, but they right. need to evaluate all those options and take a hard look at them. But I'd just like to say that, given the way the Chiefs have constructed this line this year uh, with the circumstances in which they found each other and put these guys out there who are 
not particularly well-heralded players or high draft picks or all those things. The fact that they've gotten to 10-1 and with this offensive line is amazing. People like to rag on Andy Heck, but I think Andy Heck's doing a great job to get him to this point. Really not able to run the football that well either consistently. Yeah. So I think Patrick Mahomes deserves some of that credit as well. Two other names to keep in mind there are also Martinez Rankin. And then I don't know if we'll get an answer to this, but I don't know what the deal is with Mitch Schwartz. I know he's on IR. Uh, I know that he can come back after three weeks, but that one seems like it might be a shutdown situation. We will see. The Chiefs didn't put him on IR right away, so I think it went and got a little serious as it went along. The back is odd. I know that Joe Thomas retired around the same age as Mitch Schwartz. I'm not saying this guy's going to retire. I don't know. I don't have any inklings. I have not heard on any rumblings or anything like that. I'm just, I'm wondering out loud if we even see Mitch Schwartz back this season. Yeah, I think it's fair to wonder that. It's it's been on my mind too. Um, You know, it's not a good sign for a fellow with his at his age and his weight and what he does for a living to have back troubles. It's not a good sign. And um, I would think that the earliest we will see him is next year. That's my take. I don't think I don't think we're going to see him again for the rest of the season. I I certainly don't think they're going to put him back in there in the postseason. Uh, you know, without any regular season snaps before then. If if he doesn't make it back on by the end of the regular season, I think that's the last we'll see of him this year. And they said we couldn't do 10 to 15 minutes on the O-line. All right, next <laughs> next question here. We got two to go on the Chiefs and Broncos. And, and I'm just having more fun now. You know, how far under 20 can the defense hold the Broncos? <laughs> you know, I I I, I get it. It's a division game. It's probably going to be a lot closer than we think. But this is a game where the defense could get right, as the saying goes. And they could use a get right game at this point. Yeah, they've they've won these games, but they haven't gotten back to the performance level they were getting early in the season. They outright but, said that they intend to try to hold each team under 17. And I right. correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that's happened since they said it. You no, know, like I don't, no, it has. Uh, <laughs> Which is why you should never say things like that, John. I, I hope I'm not catching you off guard here. It, it is worth talking about very quickly because we haven't mentioned it yet. We thought Juan Thornhill was basically in a new ten to what eleven, twelve snap role, and mm-hmm. he really was on the field for quite a bit of time. Odd because the Chiefs were openly talking about it. I know that we had requested to, to, to speak with Juan Thornhill. He hasn't spoken since his quote unquote situation changed. What do you make of, of that? Well, uh, it might be gamesmanship. You know, we've seen uh, we've seen Willie Gay get a certain amount of use one week, get right. no use the next week, back to that same amount the third week, back to no use the fourth week. I think we're in like the fifth week of this thing. Right. So it isn't a question about whether Willie Gay knows the system well enough to play at linebacker. I think it's a question of the Chiefs saying, this is the guy that we need against this opponent with this offense facing him. Um, and this is the guy we want playing linebacker in that game. Maybe that's the case with Thornhill too. And it's easier just to say, well, yeah, he's a situational guy. In other words, when the situation warrants it, he's going to be in there for 70% of the snaps. And when the situation doesn't warrant it, 
it means he's going to be in there for 10% of the time looks and such. And such yeah. yeah. But the way we looked at it, when we heard the chiefs say that was, Oh yeah, he's just going to be in there on special teams and we'll throw him out there to give somebody <laughs> else a rest once in a while. I think, but, yeah, you're right. I think what we were looking at it maybe was more as him getting benched, but when there yeah. are three safeties on the field, he's going to be out there. Yeah. And when you're playing that type of skill position players as the bucks offer, you're going to see more Thornhill. So Good on him to 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 play. I know that Craig will have our defensive review coming up shortly at arrowheadpride.com and we'll dive in, I'm sure, into how Thornhill performed for you. All right. My last question is, how will the ratings do on Sunday Night Football? And the reason I ask that is I expect well in Kansas City, but I'm more so curious as to the national numbers because the Chiefs and Broncos is not a good matchup. It's a division matchup. The Broncos are no good. The Chiefs should win this game handedly. And I think it'll tell us just how much of a draw Patrick Mahomes is to this point. I remember that there was another Sunday night football game in recent years. Maybe it was one or two years, but they were playing the Bengals. And I said, why is this a Sunday night football game? I'm just curious just how many people are going to tune in solely for the purpose of, of watching Patrick Mahomes. I think that he is the biggest star in the NFL, and I'm, I'm quite sure of that, but I'd like to see it in number form. Yeah, wasn't there a game, a primetime game earlier this year that was the biggest audience in like two years or something? I've, there might have been. I, yeah, I'm I think not you recalling tweeted about it. I don't remember specifically which one it was. I don't but. remember what I tweeted yesterday, John, so I, I couldn't <laughs> tell you, but it's very possible that I did, yes. Well, no, I, I I think there will be a lot of people watching this game. I do too. Mahomes, yeah. Of course, in Kansas City, that that's not my question. I'm I'm sure. curious about the coasts. How many people right. will be tuning into Denver and Kansas City? And think about that in previous years. The the coast tuning in for a game like that. It's hard to imagine where we've come in this timeline of Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, it really is. All right, so those are our questions heading into the Broncos and Chiefs Sunday night football. Of course, excited for this game. 7.20 Arrowhead time. We'll have your coverage all week. Last thing on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show is, of course, the best Chiefs thing I heard all week. And it was slim pickings this week, John. I got to admit, I was searching the internet for something fun, and I had to go all the way back to the post-game press conference of the Chiefs and the Bucks, where Tyron Matthew was essentially asked if he should be blitzing more. And listen in, here was his answer. Well, I've, I've never really been one of those players to kind of, you know, tell a coach what I want to do. I always do what my coaches ask me to do. Um, but obviously, blitzing is something that I love to do. If I could blitz on the first play of every game, I think I can get into a much quicker rhythm defensively. But, you know, I'm not the play caller. Uh, I just, I believe in my coaches. I believe what they see. Um, and I think that's really the position you have to take, you know, um, uh, as a player. You know, you just have to trust that your coaches, you know, are seeing the right things. And for me, it's all about just playing a call that, you know, Spags call. And, you know, for me, it's all about blitzing with my hair on fire and, I was joking with the guys. If I was six one, you know, maybe that would have been a forced fumble. But you know, five nine, I couldn't really get my arm to the ball. But either way it goes, great play by Breland, um, and that's the kind of plays we want to make. Bashad Breland got his interception on Tom Brady because of a Tyron Matthew pressure. Rare to see him blitz, but when he does, there's nothing like it. There really isn't nothing like it. I, I, I mean, he would never. I, I feel walk up the spags and say, "Blitz me more," but maybe he should. Maybe he should have practiced and say, I may not be six feet, but I can force a pressure on this guy and get us a few more picks. I wouldn't mind seeing that defensive game plan. 
blitz Tyron Matthew on the first snap of every game. Uh, you know, let him be ready for it. Let's see what right. happens. Until you're playing Justin Herbert when you need to win for the one <laughs> bye week and all of a sudden seven nothing Chargers on the first play. All right. With that terrible, terrible scenario, we will close our Arrowhead Pride editor's show. Uh, keep it locked in, of course, at arrowheadpride.com all week. Media resumes on Wednesday. We'll have you posted with all of the updates coming out of Chiefs Media as we head into Sunday Night Football. If you haven't, please rate and review. We love five stars. We see you guys talking to the laboratory all the time. Don't be afraid to leave a comment about the editor's show. Why not? For John Dixon, I'm Pete Sweeney. Thank you very much for joining us on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. 